Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Serie A fan. It's Denver Cuts all round this week. As Boaz celebrates Independence Day, Roma celebrate Europa qualification, and all of the top seven win. But don't worry, there's still plenty of comical failure to go around. New entries to the Gagliardini Challenge, socks on Lazio's away kit, and the whole PE deal debacle in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. And we've all just watched Roma qualify for the, well, sort of half-watched Roma qualify for the Europa League semi-finals, which obviously very exciting to be talking about that, uh, plus plenty of other sort of fun incidents to discuss in the league and around the league. So loads to get through, uh, but first let's check in with the panel. Boaz, happy Independence Day. How are you? Thank you, Oscar. I'm doing very well, actually. I've had a really joyful day. Fantastic. It was very meat-heavy, so that's why it was joyful. I apologize to any vegetarian or vegan listeners. Oh yeah, what sort of um, what sort of meat do you eat on an Israeli Independence Day? I don't think there is a standard, but the friend I was visiting, uh, I guess he's a he fancies himself as a connoisseur, so he had uh, a few cuts I'd never tried before, including something called a, a Denver cut, which was very interesting. I'm a big fan now. I was going to so, say, I thought I thought you were about to say that the friend that you were visiting was the, the meat that you'd chosen, which seemed a little bit controversial. Not, not that I know of, but it might, it might have been uh, human meat. Yeah, um, well, presumably not. Makes me want to try Denver Cut a little bit less than I did 10 seconds ago. <laughs> Great. Um, and how about on the beer front, Buzz? I'm having a Bindi IPA, which I've had in the past. It's a nice one, 5.5. I also wouldn't say that I, I'm, I'm listening back to some of the episodes and I sound like a raging alcoholic when in truth I drink a beer around the Scudetto episode and nothing else. And compared to you guys, I'm probably, I'd probably drink a little less, but yeah. Yeah, you probably have the lowest beer consumption. You don't really like the taste of beer very much, do you? I enjoy beer, but I enjoy, to drink, I enjoy drinking it slowly. I enjoy, the, the, I enjoy the process. Fair enough. I've, on the other hand, got a very strong tasting beer. It's a... Uh... Pils Holgerson, and it says on the bottle, brewed in the cold, dark dungeons of the Knights of Olaf. It looks like it was brewed in a sort of 19th century apothecary. It tastes very herby. It's quite interesting. How about you, Kenny? How, how are you getting on? Have you been to a pub this week? Because my WhatsApp and other friends in the UK has just been constant pictures of pints in pubs. Ah, yeah, well, Healthcare is a devolved area in uh, Scotland, Oscar. I'm sure you. I'm sure you know this well. Uh, so the the rules here have been slightly different throughout COVID, and our pubs are not open yet. They're not open until the 26th of of April. But I am looking forward to 
giving back to local businesses have been through a hard time. So that's the spin that I'll be putting on it when I uh, when I want to get out to the pub. <laughs> so T minus ten days. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm I'm doing very well. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing my parents this uh, this weekend for the first time since Christmas because we haven't been able to. They live in a different area. So we haven't been allowed to to travel between areas. So that's gonna be that's gonna be really nice. So yeah, looking forward to that. Well, that'd be good. Um, and how about on the beer front? What have you got there? Yeah, I've kind of exhausted all of the Scottish beers that are available in the supermarkets here because for some shocking reason, craft beer shops aren't included in the essential shops that are allowed to be opened. Uh, So I've, yeah, just been getting my beers from the supermarket for the last few months. Uh, So I've gone for a UK beer. It is a UK beer, but it's not a Scottish beer. It's a Vocation Heart and Soul Session IPA. I've already started drinking it and it is very pleasant. Lovely. Yeah, the, there was never any like official legal lockdown in Finland, but when they were dis- debating whether it might come in, they were very clear that alcohol shops would count as food. So it would be essential. And I think it's been the same in England, right? I think if there was ever a time where, where alcohol was essential, maybe lockdown this past year has been it. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, let's start in Rome, shall we? Um, but I think you've probably been watching it most closely um you're saying it was getting a little bit frantic there at the end but obviously an excellent result for roma yeah a continuation of a fantastic campaign and a sort of vindication for fonseca who has come under a little bit of criticism in the past few weeks and was also um subject to some changing room leaks uh, that w- were pretty dismissive of him in general the, the vibe in italy is that uh, he he's not going to be in the job next year and that the Friedkins want to bring in their own man. I think this uh, Europa League run was impressive enough getting to this stage, but uh, beating Ajax away, albeit a little bit fortuitously, and uh, then getting the re- the needed result today is very impressive. Today's game, I mean, it wasn't a fantastic game. Uh, Ajax obviously were pressing to get the goal. Roma seemed a little bit on edge. Ajax went 1-0 up and to be honest, your friend Paul Lopez was having a bit of a mare and you could, there could have been a couple more for Ajax. And in fact, Ajax's goal was a bit dodgy. To be like, I, I, You have to watch it because the, the defense seems to be a little bit slow to react and the goalkeeper misses the, the ball with his hand. But in any case, um, after Ajax got a second goal that was disallowed by VAR for a foul in the build-up, Roma played it out of the back in fantastic fashion. And the youngster, Calafori, uh, did some fantastic work on the left wing before crossing it in. And uh, who else but Enin Zeko to score the goal? It's uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, in uh, t- October 2018, Edin Zeko scored a Champions League hat-trick and dedicated his hat-trick to Calaf- Ricardo Calafiori because um, he had been subject to a really bad injury. And so for Calafiori to serve this lovely assist for him now is kind of a nice full circle. Yeah, and really important that he has a good game as well because we were saying before that Spinazzola, who made it into our Serie A 11 last week, was uh, suffering with uh, just fatigue of playing too many games, I think, and not able to play. Uh, so, yeah, good news. Um, and speaking of Roma being fortunate, I mean, I don't think they could have been more fortunate than they were in the league against Bologna the weekend. I mean, it was just madness that Bologna didn't manage to score really, wasn't it, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, particularly in the first half where 
Bologna were all over them and missed a couple of real glaring, uh, glaring chances. But yeah, it also has to be said that Bologna were victims of their own downfall because <laughs> the first of all the defending and then the goalkeeping uh, for for Mayoral's, uh what proved to, to be a winner was absolutely woeful. And for me, much as they were the better team, particularly in that first half uh, for for that particular incident alone probably deserved to to go away empty-handed really yeah that was um i mean I, credit to mayoral once it comes to him he still has quite a lot to do and yeah it's a it's a nice finish absolutely but, yeah but yeah absolute howler um and i think there's a nomination for the uh the galliardini challenge in this game as well isn't there on bologna's side yeah for soriano or I mean, I don't know. The, the ball kind of comes to him. It is an open goal. It's an open goal. So yes, absolutely. Uh, it's a nomination. It's maybe not a front runner, but I think it needs to be mentioned. Yeah, he just manages to. He's got all of the goal to aim at, and he manages to hit it right at the keeper, um, who is probably not even in the face of the goal, to be honest, from from the angle that it, that the shot comes in. Uh, but he is wide. He is wide of the goal. It's a relative. It's not a tight angle. A professional footballer should be putting that away. But there, <laughs> there are mitigating circumstances, which mean that other uh, other contenders this season, I think, will uh, be higher up the the leaderboard on that on that front. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair comment. I mean, I mean, overall, yes, Rome have been lucky in these in these two games. But it, I mean, bit of luck could be all they need to sort of save their season. As you've said, but so. and they showed some great spirit. So you have to you have to give credit where credit's due. Absolutely. And in a weeks' time, they'll be facing Atalanta. That game that we've kind of singled out as possibly key to the Champions League spots. And there's another game which is key, possibly key to who finishes in the Champions League spots this weekend: uh, Atalanta versus Juventus. Um, so let's move on to that. We can. Start off by talking about Atalanta, who just about managed to win at the weekend, didn't they? Can you manage to avoid their potential banana skin after chucking away a two-goal lead? Yeah, absolutely. Same old, uh, well, not the same old Atalanta, because they do obviously have games where they just absolutely run away with it. But they they are prone occasionally to snatch uh, draws normally um, from the from the jaws of, of victory. The the Torino game, which uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get onto in a, in a little bit, actually it springs to mind where they were three goals up in that in that one. Uh, but yeah, this one in, again in the first half, Atalanta could have been completely out of sight. They actually did seem like they were uh, out of sight. Uh, very very worthy uh, of their of their two goal lead and. Uh, yeah, I mean, they just did what Atalanta do. They kept on pushing forward, and Fiorentina um, actually got a, a really, really early goal in the the second half. So early that uh, I had diverted my attention elsewhere at halftime and switched on a couple of minutes into the second half and had missed it. Um, I have seen it since, um, but yeah, the second goal for Fiorentina just a, a breakaway. But I think that it was a really, really great advert for Italian football. This it was just really. Really open, uh, Fiorentina. As I said, Vlaovic um, again, fantastic first goal for for him. Great, um, great technique there, and then just really, really great on the counter attack. Atalanta just taking risks even when uh, they really didn't didn't need to. And then we had uh, really, 
it wasn't a contentious, it was a stonewall penalty, but it was another one of these ones where you look at it and you say the modern interpretation of the handball rule is absolutely bizarre. The ball's fired at a player from about a yard, uh, I think it was Ilicic, who hit the ball at Quarta from, yeah, about a yard away or something. His, his hand happens to be slightly away from him. Uh, I I feel gutted for him, really, but it's a stonewall penalty in, in the modern game, and uh, they got away with one, definitely. But it would have been an absolute travesty, given how Atalanta had played in the first half, if they'd come away with anything other than three points from that game, really. Yeah, and they absolutely had to win it as well, didn't they? Because all of their other top four rivals had already played that game being later on the Sunday. Um, and they'd all won, I think. Uh, obviously, Roma getting the win at Bologna that we just talked about. And Juve obviously being, or well, Napoli and Inter both won that we'll talk about in a minute, but Juve being Genoa 3-1. If you watched that game, Boaz, was, they, were, they were worthy winners, weren't they? I mean, overall, in the 90 minutes, I think Juventus probably were worthy of their uh, of the three points, uh, especially given the fact that for one of the goals, they took about four shots on target, hit post, and uh, and uh, generally did their best to miss it. So, I mean, I don't I don't know what the XG was for that one, but each one of those shots could have gone in. But there was a, definitely a period just before uh, Genoa's goal and just after where Genoa had a lot of great chances. There were... Um, getting one-on-one with the keeper. They were beating the defenders with uh, through balls. But unfortunately for Genoa fans, I guess, they couldn't uh, make the most of these chances. And once Juventus uh, turned up the gears, uh, it was uh, game over. But uh, Genoa have, have show- gave a good showing of themselves and they've done so throughout the season. And there, there's no shame in losing to Juventus, of course. No, absolutely. Um, just from this game, before we move on, though, we do have to highlight um, another contender for, I'm not sure for the Gagliardini challenge, actually, but definitely for the Living the Vidal Loca award. Um, Cristiano, his love affair with that post continues. I slightly alluded to it uh, just there, but uh, as in one in the one of the goal, in Morata's goal, Ronaldo conspired to hit the post from about a meter out. It was probably a lot easier to score, and you could tell that he wasn't that happy about the goal being scored. And uh, there was also rumors after the game that he'd thrown his shirt in disgust because he he was um, displeased with his performance and not getting on the score sheet. Although it was since uh, proven that apparently he threw his uh, his shirt very violently at the ball boy. So all good in that front. And um, while we're on the Ronaldo shirt, Kenny, the shirt's been been making headlines for other reasons this week, hasn't it? Oh yeah, okay. We're going to the to the honourable mentions here, right? Yes. I think so maybe I, just just while we were talking about Ronaldo's shirt, let's just chuck it in. Yeah, it's a good it's a good segue. Uh, but well, uh, well done on that front. Uh, yeah. So this is the the story about Gozens, whose autobiography came out recently, in which he he revealed his shame at being snubbed by Ronaldo at the end of a game in uh, 2019, I believe it was, when he asked for Ronaldo's shirt and Ronaldo just apparently without looking at him just said no and just walked past him. And he said like, he, he felt really small. He kind of wanted he wanted the ground to swallow him up, was just like hoping that no one had heard it. Then obviously revealed it in his autobiography. And so uh, Hans Hattebor arrived in the Atalanta changing rooms uh, for, for I think it was it must have been training and presented Gozens with a with a gift 
which Gozens obviously was uh, had no idea what what was in it. And there's this video that was posted on social media of him slowly opening this uh, opening this parcel to reveal a Cristiano Ronaldo shirt, which Hattemore had <laughs> gifted him. Just to make yeah. it feel a little bit better, which is uh, yeah. Well, loved, what was especially good about this was that it was a knockoff version. So, <laughs> so a Juventus aren't making any money off of this, but also like, it's the cheapest <laughs> gift he could ever give him. <laughs> Just straight off the market, presumably. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, but really, really looking forward to this game at the weekend. Yeah, and I think I think worth mentioning in this game there are a few very very notable uh, pieces of of team news. Uh, the first one is that Romero in that game against uh, Fiorentina got himself a yellow card, which rules him out. Uh, he'll be a very very big miss for for Atalanta. On the flip side, Pessina is coming back uh, from COVID. He was amongst the uh, contingent in the Italy squad who tested positive for COVID. So he's actually been given the all clear. Apparently will train with Atalanta on Friday and go into the matchday squad. And similarly, Bonucci, who was also among the, the contingent that wasn't uh, that had tested positive, wasn't able to, to play, he will also be back for Juve as well. So yeah, it's, it's kind of pretty interesting. And definitely those are all very much first team players. Uh, so I would say probably advantage Juve on that front because I think Romero will be a big, a big, big miss. And it's uh, I should add that uh, this is a pretty tasty affair. I mean, Juventus have all but relinquished the title this season, but in the past this was uh, one of those matches that was always a highlight. And if you remember, towards the end of last year, when uh, Atalanta were probably the last club with a credible chance of uh, pipping Juventus to the title, and there was. Uh, a couple of uh, penalties given against uh, Atalanta that uh, were kind of their penalties by the the, lo- the current laws of the of the game, but we all feel that it's very so- a very soft penalty and that pretty much extinguished uh, Atalanta's hopes. And of course, Sarri's team went on to win it. Uh, this year, it could well uh, determine who finishes in the top four. We were joking in our. Um, in our WhatsApp group, and I wrote to you that uh, it is possible that uh, someone will drop points on the weekend because the pl- the teams are playing each other. I think, <laughs> I mean, no shit, boys, but yeah. Yeah, and just on the team absences uh, that you mentioned back there, Kenny Gasparini obviously um, still will be in the dugout this weekend, but possibly has a bang coming up. Yeah, this is the the Torino incident that I I mentioned before. So. Uh, so Gasparini is uh, facing a 20-day ban for apparently being insulting to <laughs> a a member of the anti-doping, uh, an anti-doping official, uh, should we say, who turned up and as it, according to the media, it transpires, it was a couple of hours after or a matter of hours after Atalanta had thrown away a three three goal lead against Torino, and the the official said that he used very offensive uh, or he was very insulting towards the official and the anti doping process as a whole, and then told his player to just not bother with it and to to go and take part in training, which I, I'm not sure if it was the. I imagine it was the next morning, uh, but yeah, obviously not in a not in a good mood, and now he's kind of facing up to the the consequences of that. It should be added as well that he was offered a ten day ban, 
um, but he's absolutely refusing to to take it. It would mean sort of pleading <laughs> guilty, but he's <laughs> he's not having any of it. So, refusing to cooperate with the investigation. Yeah, so apparently his ban could potentially be longer than the the twenty games. And also worth noting that this isn't just a a touchline ban. Uh, according to the reports, he is he would be banned from having any communication with uh, with his team. So if that is enforced, that will have an absolutely huge impact on Atalanta's Champions League hopes. Yeah, I mean, we're talking before. I don't know how you'd enforce that, but it sounds absolutely crazy. I mean, let's hope that he's not banned for six months because, but I mean, that that means the end of his job. Surely but they'll have to find at least an interim replacement. Yeah, I don't think Atalanta will ever get rid of Gasparini. I think uh, they would have to find an interim replacement, but I don't think it would be as much as six months. Normally, these things don't play out that way. Especially in Italy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so the other big game this weekend um, in that top four race is Napoli-Inter. Um, so let's talk about Napoli's game. Na- Napoli looked really, really good again, again against Sam, and they came out 2-0 winners. Um, our boy Ossiman back on the score sheet bars, but um, yeah, some some lovely kind of one-touch football. Yeah, so Napoli showed once more that when they have uh, all their players uh, available, it's a completely different proposition. Some of their one-touch football, as you said, was phenomenal. I, I don't want to spoil anything that's coming later, but uh, in general, just uh, lo- lovely stuff from all players involved. And Inter, of course, won the first leg of this game 1-0. So uh, I think I think again Napoli are one another team that's uh, fighting for the top four and uh, definitely uh, with Inter winning nine in a row, which is crazy. This is uh, one of those games. And as a slight uh, deviation, I'd like to say that from now on, every single weekend will have a major game. So uh, it's it's very exciting stuff. And even though the title is probably all but decided, there's still stuff to go for in the top four, as we keep mentioning and. Slightly, a little bit in the relegation race too. Although I think that that uh, race is getting is more or less decided, at least for two of those spots. But uh, going back to this game, I hope it's going to be more exciting than the first game, which was a little bit of a drab affair. And um, hopefully, Inter will show some attacking prowess this time round, as opposed to their recent games, where, as Kenny was pointing out, they've won the last six games just by one goal. I mean, that's the stuff of champions, but at the same time, Napoli should put up a serious test for a change. Yeah, I was going to say, Kenny Inter have got pretty good at winning 1-0 or winning by one goal, haven't they? Um, kind of a bit lucky against Cagliari. They they definitely struggled in that game, and they've looked to be kind of making hard work of many of the results recently, but they just keep winning, don't they? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they're not the only team up at the top that's been making hard work of things. The, different, the thing is that they've been the ones that have actually you know managed to find ways to to win and that's that's why they're uncatchable now because we were it it might seem like a long time ago but it was only probably a a month ago or so where we were talking about them being like a a couple of points ahead with a, a game in hand i mean they weren't like no one i don't think saw uh, their their good run extending this far and they have it has to be hats off to them because they have just sometimes they've just ground out uh, results, but uh, prior to this six uh, this six game run uh, of winning by one goal, you know they, they they had some really good results before that as well, and they've come up against teams where we thought they would 
slip up, they would drop points, uh, and they just haven't. I mean, Atalanta, uh, Milan, Juve, I think as well, are in the, are in this run. So you can't. I mean, you you can't really do anything other than take your hat off to them. Yeah, um, and although they did make make hard work of that game, the goal when it came was lovely bit of play by Hakimi for the assist. Uh, I can't actually remember who scored it now. Matteo Darmian. Damian put it away, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they celebrated like crazy, you know, like they were winning the, the championship. <laughs> Hakimi got uh, uh, the, the rarest of uh, the rarest of kisses from, from Conte. He said, yeah, he, he seemed to sort of kiss his ear. I think he was, I think he was going for the forehead. Hakimi just turned his head. Hakimi fancied a kiss, a little uh, smooch on the ear. That was why he turned his <laughs> classic. Yeah. Um, but while we're on the topic of managers in this game, we, we should mention uh, Gattuso's clash with, with Quagliarella. Yeah, this was uh, box office stuff. Um, apparently, Gattuso was quite vocal on the touchline and Quagliarella was heard quite clearly saying to Gattuso, Mister, are you, are you running the commentary in this game? To which he said in not too many words, I'll, f- I'll focus on coaching and you focus on playing. And of course, um, Quagliarella was off. <laughs> Quadrella didn't say to him, "You focus on where you'll be, where you'll be coaching next season," which could have been an apt comeback. <laughs> that would have been very topical, and uh, as we said, uh, we've mentioned in past episodes that there's part of the managerial merry-go-round involves uh, Fonseca at Roma, it involves Gattuso, it involves Pirlo at Juventus. So uh, it's going to be a tasty summer for sure, and uh, there's so many rumors going around with the likes of Sari, Allegri. And other top coaches apparently interested in this role. So we'll see what happens. Maybe Gattuso will do the commentary moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can uh, chuck Mourinho's name back into that uh, merry-go-round. It's just uh, some wishful thinking coming out. All right. Well, while we're on the topic of summer, uh, it, it's been confirmed Italy will be playing their, their games at the Rome Stadium. What? But those four games have been confirmed, haven't they, at the Olympico? Yeah, I believe three group games and one of the knockout rounds, but I couldn't I couldn't say whether it was the, the last sixteen or yeah. Yeah. I I think we all kind of welcome this news, don't we? Obviously our comments last week that we you know, didn't want to see them pushed by the Federation to do anything or pushed by UEFA to do anything that was premature, but uh be be great to see it. I mean, the, the criticism of this is that the country might not be ready, but I think it's it's better to prepare for the the best and, and also be ready for the worst. So it, hopefully um, stadiums will start to fill up and life in general will go back to normal in Italy. But if not, I mean, uh, I'm sure that should the situation arise, I'm sure there will be some contingency plans. Yeah, you'd imagine that if, the, if things get out of control... Uh, then UEFA will have to think again. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely encouraging, encouraging news. Uh, it's had a knock-on effect as well that Syria have uh, or, or Syria clubs have now been pushing for uh, for more fans in in league games as well. I think starting with uh, just around a thousand or so. So uh, that that would be one to keep an eye on in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. And along with that news about the stadium being confirmed this week, we've had the news that the Italy squad will all be vaccinated before that tournament. Met with, um, well, it wasn't exa- the news wasn't exactly embraced by Mancini, was it, Buzz? 
Yeah, he was uh, he was making a general statement about life in Italy, and the general gist of it was that he was hoping that uh, vaccines would be made available to those who really need it first. And he also said that um, the reopening of stadiums is less of a priority for him, and that uh, he wants the life in Italy to go back to normal. And uh, and once life in Italy is normal again, then visit going to the stadium will become part of that life. Kind of very uh, knight in shining armor from. Mancini, but I personally feel that uh, it's imperative that the Azzurri get uh, vaccinated, A, to avoid any sort of outbreak while they're in this tournament, but also because it's proven that uh, when uh, celebrities and sports stars uh, commit to something like this, then uh, the general population p- picks up as well. And I, I don't know, it, it seems a bit strange, especially coming from uh, the national team manager to try and sort of separate football from ordinary life. Um, I mean, especially, obviously, especially in a country like Italy, where life and football are very intertwined. Intertwined. Yeah. Anyway, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure meant well. There's many sensible things in that statement he said as well. Okay, let's talk quickly about the news on the PE deal, <laughs> because uh, the news just been reported today by the Financial Times actually that um, the gr- a group of seven clubs in Syria have sort of pushed for a vote of no confidence in the current president of the league, Paolo Del Pino, um, who's been kind of instrumental in putting this deal together. Looks like it's off the table now. One of the comments that I think we sort of alluded to before when we spoke about it on the podcast is they said that, that what their criticism of him was that he was focusing on the short term of trying to get cash to get them through the pandemic and not thinking about the long term. And as we said before, a part of what's made some of these clubs change their attitude towards taking external investment is that they've managed to secure a very good TV deal, um, selling the rights to Dazen for more than they expected. Uh, but it's been received, there's been mixed reception to the Dazen rights deal, hasn't there? There's there've been some hiccups with the, the implementation of it early on. Yeah, so I mean, Dazen are already, or Dazon, as uh, Boaz tells me, it's actually pronounced in, in Italy. Um, have already been a partner of of Syria for for a while. Uh, the unfortunate thing uh, I think with this is that <laughs> it is the on the weekend after the the deal was announced uh, that they were basically going to have exclusive uh, rights to to Syria broadcasting in Italy. There was a massive issue with their uh, streaming service, which. <laughs> viewers weren't weren't able to watch which doesn't uh doesn't exactly fill you with with confidence uh but yeah i mean i i know that that split a lot of uh a lot of city clubs as well whether to accept sky's offer for i think it was three non-exclusive games as uh each weekend as well it was kind of tied into the the dozen deal so they they would have dazon would have all of them uh, but Sky would also have three games which they'd be able to show to their subscribers. But that obviously fell through. So, yeah, uh, undoubtedly with these things, there's obviously, uh, yeah, it's obviously a lot of disagreement and haggling and different viewpoints uh, amongst the, the Italian clubs. But it possibly just proves why the idea of selling things as a collective might have uh, might have made more sense but then as you said uh, per- perhaps that would that would mean underselling italian football 
yeah, or just perhaps losing a bit of control of over the, the future of the league. I think that was the way it was phrased. <laughs> Maybe slightly uh, exaggerated. Yeah, it does have to be said. I think that there are fourteen votes of no confidence needed uh, for a change to be brought into effect. So at the moment, right. there's, we're only halfway towards that. Yeah, according to the report, it's Juve, Inter Milan, Napoli, Lazio, Atalanta, Fiorentina, and Hellas Verona um, were the seven clubs who have written in already demanding the resignation. Yeah. Anyway, it'd be interesting to, to sort of see how that develops over the coming weeks. Right, just before we go on to the honourable and dishonourable mentions, let's round up the best of the rest, the other games that we didn't get to. It has to be said, it was a great point for Torino, wasn't it? Um, getting that 1-0 win over Udinese, which, I mean, they celebrated like that had saved them from relegation and this probably probably has. The actual game was terrible. But yeah, not not a lot more to say on that. Other than I'm not, I'm not sure what was wrong with their pitch. It looked like it... It looked like I had a lichen growing on it. I'm not sure if anyone can explain. <laughs> if any of our listeners can explain that, then please let me know. I would actually uh, temper that with uh, the the fact that Cagliari play Parma. Uh, so you know, let's see what happens in that game before calling Torino safe. Because if Cagliari win that game, Parma are obviously completely gone. Um, but yeah, it would be back to potentially a situation where they're only a couple of points behind. But definitely a great result for Torino. True, yeah. I mean, if Cagliari win that game there, yeah, two points behind, but Torino would still have the game in hand, even if it is against Lazio. Um, and, yeah, we should just mention uh, Spezia came back from 2-1 down to beat Crotone 3-2 uh, in the last three minutes of the game. The, I think probably the first goal was the pick of the goals in that game, wasn't it? That, that GG looping volley. In general, I'm, I just wanted to praise uh, Spezia as a whole. They came up and they were slightly unknown and we kind of had a little bit of a laugh at their expense, but they've proven that they're in Serie A for the long run. They play some really good football and they have a couple of players who have been standout players um, for uh, say, for the league as a whole, not just for their own club. It's not really indicative coming back against Crotone because Crotone have made a habit of losing games from winning positions. But at the same time, um, I'm really enjoying this little Spezia adventure and it'll be interesting to see what the new American owners do once there's a little bit more investment. Absolutely. And we should obviously speak about Milan a little bit as we, as you said, we previewed their game against Parma saying it was a potential banana skin. They didn't slip up on it, although Zlatan maybe uh, made it a bit more difficult for them than it needed to be, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, this is a point of contention in Italy because... Uh, there are mixed reports about the reason why Zlatan was sent off. The final report said that Zlatan had uh, used some uh, dismissive tones against the referee, but uh, the Milan have kind of uh, leaked the recording from the pitch that uh, shows that there was nothing of the kind. He he was kind of critiquing the ref, but he wasn't even that vocal. Of course, this is the same ref that uh, uh, Antonio Conte had issues with during uh, the Coppa Italia clash with Juventus. And actually, um, if if now that I mention it, although Zlatan's, uh, what Zlatan said was quite tame, once the red card was shown, Donnarumma, who's the captain, stepped out of goal and told the told the Maresca, "Hey, you're always trying to be the protagonist here." So uh, I mean, that was probably a red card offense more than anything. But um, Zlatan then managed to get himself into trouble off the field as well because he held a, what he's calling a business meeting, but was actually. Uh, nice a nice lunch in a 
posh restaurant his friend owns and uh Denver cuts all around yeah you know a business meeting and i'm doing air quotes here but uh essentially he it's uh it's during lockdown and we we've said it about players from other sides and it's it's, it's really stupid especially considering the statistics in italy right now on another Zlatan point, he was also picked up because one of his companies apparently has a, a 10% share in the betting company and this is not allowed. So he could get a, a fine from FIFA or even a, up to a three-year ban. So uh, not the best of weeks for Zlatan. Is this just FIFA's like countersuit so that he stops suing them over his likeness appearing in their games? <laughs> no comment. I mean, this is uh, this is a crusade that Mino Raiola is taking on, and he's uh, he's bringing all his players into uh, into this. So Pogba the, and everyone else. So uh, it's going to be interesting. He's saying that uh, FIFA are making money off their their player likeness by selling these uh, these uh, cards you get for uh, FIFA Live or whatever. Clearly, I'm not a player, but uh, essentially, he, uh, FIFA Ultimate Team Packs, right? Exactly. So uh, he wants to make some money from those ultimate team packs. So if you pick out Zlatan, he wants to make a percentage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know enough about it to comment at all. But I know that the, I know, sort of sounds fair enough. <laughs> I know that it, so- it sounds fair enough. I know that EA Sports does uh, negotiate uh, deals with individual clubs as well as leagues. And I assume that the clubs have the marketing rights for their players. But again, this is probably a little bit above my pay grade. Speaking of pay grades, we should just just mention that there are four Italian clubs in the richest 20 clubs in the world, according to reports come out this week. The, the highest one was 11th, wasn't it? I guess that was Juventus. Yeah, Juventus, who are more than double the who have more than double the value of the next team up, which is Inter, and uh, the next two clubs are Roma and Milan and Roma, um, very low down in the mix. I mean, it's good news to be in the top 20, but. There's a lot of work to be done, and uh, we were saying earlier that it's kind of curious that Napoli aren't in that uh, in that table, considering uh, that they've been runners up for a few years and they're usually in European competition. I'm assuming they're in the next positions up from the table we saw, but in any case, the 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 gap between the top ten and the next the next ten clubs is massive, and if Italian clubs continue to get knocked out of the Champions League and European competition in general so early. I, it's going to be very hard to close that gap. Yeah. Okay, let's, just before we go on to the honourables and dishonourables, let's do good week, bad week. I put for Torino for good week because it looks like they're essentially safe. Kenny's thrown, thrown doubt on that assertion already, but um, I think they probably are safe. They certainly celebrate as if they were, and if they don't, let's just let them have this week because it was a good result. Any objections to that? No, it was. It's another week where it's difficult to to pick who's had the best one. Everyone at the top won. Yeah, a rare weekend where all the clubs won, which is I just, I just find it so un- unlikely. So, uh, um, I think considering Torino were goners in our opinion a few months ago, it's it's really fantastic work from the club. Yeah. Okay. Well, good week, Torino then, and bad week. We've got either probably Verona or Crotone. Anyone with having strong feelings about that. Yeah, so I was tempted to I was tempted to go with Verona on this one. They obviously lost, but also Juric has kind of refused to to be drawn on his future uh refusing to co- commit his future to to Verona. Uh, there's been rumors linking him with Napoli, but he was asked about it 
in a press conference and he said, well, I don't know what's going to happen next. I might even take some time out of the game. But that very much implies that he's on his way out. But I kind of agree with what you said, Oscar. Um, throwing away a 2-0 lead in the dying minutes of, of a game and coming away with zero points, I think probably got to go to Crotone. Yeah, I think so. Um, so bad week to Crotone. And that's it. Let's move on then to the honourable and dishonourable mentions section. And Baz, I think you can kick us off with a dishonourable for Ventura. Ventura is probably one of the most unpopular names uh, surrounding Italian football. I don't need to remind anyone that he failed to qualify Italy for the 2018 World Cup. And uh, he generally hasn't uh, showered himself in glory since. But uh, he was interviewed by a Neapolitan radio station Radio Kiss Kiss this week. And um, he basically alluded to the fact that Conte had stolen a few of his ideas and that he w- he just put them into practice with bigger, better clubs and therefore was more successful. And he also spoke about the deal that Kenny just uh, mentioned, which was the he he said he didn't understand why Napoli would go for Juric, who is too similar to Sari. So, I mean, I think uh, this is a dishonorable mention because I think Ventura should probably just be quiet for at least another 10 years uh, unless Italy win a big trophy. And then he's probably going to be forgiven. Sorry, is this radio station called Radio Kiss Kiss? Radio Kiss Kiss. Just like yes, there's a lot of very funny radio station Kiss. names in Italy. <laughs> um, Kenny, you've got your uh, obligatory goals honourable. <laughs> Who's it going to this week? Yeah, so I was tempted to give a goals honourable for Kuruzewski's goal for Juve, mainly because of Cuadrado's incredible work, uh, sort of slaloming uh, run and then cut back uh, for Kruzevsky to, to tuck away neatly. But I'm not going to uh, because I feel like you can't put that goal in the same league as Fabian Ruiz's opener for Napoli in their 2-0 uh, victory over Sandoria. This is just an absolutely wonderfully worked goal. Uh, beautiful one-touch football. Uh, includes a, a back heel from Ossiman and then a, a surgical finish from uh, from Ruiz to slide it into the, the bottom corner from outside outside the area. Just a really lovely, lovely, well-worked goal. Really, really uh, pleasing on the eye. So I, that's that's where my goals honourable is going this week, and it's going nowhere else. Yeah, I've got an honourable mention this week as well. I'm going to give it to uh, Cagliari goalkeeper Vicario for his Serie A debut. He had a fantastic game. I think he was... We said before that uh, Inter sort of struggled against Cagliari and it was partly just because of his flying save. Denied Eriksson, a lovely sort of sliced shot from the edge of the box that was going in the top corner. He was getting his hand to everything. And uh, yeah, I think that their normal keepers got covered. So that's why he was he was called up. Um, so anyway, honourable for Vicario. Nice. Uh, Buzz, you want to give our boy Ossiman an honourable, not for his goal. It's a Napoli-heavy honourable dishonourable section, but I think this is quite deserved. Uh, Osimhen, when he was a young boy, he used to deliver water as part to make a little bit of money. And uh, he saw a, a picture on social media of a, a young woman who was missing her leg, and she's she's doing the same job that he did as a young boy. And so he uh, sent, and she's also from his hometown. And so he sent out a message on social media looking for her. And uh, this week he spoke to her on FaceTime and I guess he's going to sponsor her. Nice gesture all around and Osman continues to be 
a complete uh, lovely guy on and off the pitch. Nice. Um, yeah, I've got a dishonourable. Now, I'm sorry to keep talking about this Lazio, which I've I think I've given it maybe two dishonourables already. But there was this especially <laughs> sort of um, <laughs> especially offensive aspect to it this week, which I'm not sure if it's it's probably been present every time, but I noticed it more this week. Which is that you know how players some some players like a grippier sock than the long football sock. So they cut off the bottom of the sock and they have another sock that's the same colour so that it looks like they're wearing one sock, but they get the grippier sock on the bottom. So Yeah, I'll go with that. This is a thing. If, if we had Richard Hughes on, he could confirm. Um, unfortunately, the Lazio players don't have one for their green sock, which is a horrible colour anyway. So it then means half of the sock is blue, which just makes it look even worse. Dishonorable. Sort your kit out. We should, we should have a fashion award at the end of the year. But Lazio are running away with it. And Buzz, is this last honorable serious? It is, and you... I, I'm looking forward to you reading it out. <laughs> I mean, it says Boaz has got an honorable mention for Higuain, so take it away. You may remember, eagle-eyed listeners may remember several months ago when uh, Diego Maradona passed away. We had a Neapolitan fan, uh, Marco, on the pod and... He mentioned uh, former Napoli striker Higuain and he, he used a few disparaging terms about him. Um, and at the time, it, we felt it was a little bit... We didn't want to repeat the phrase, but fortunately, uh, Gonzalo Higuain has come to our rescue and he's used the word himself. So he's, um, he actually um, had a very uh, honest uh, interview with uh, Argentinian newspaper La Nación where he spoke about his experience in the States and how... He doesn't get recognized in the streets and football is not that important. And so he gets to live a normal life. But in among that, he said, people don't judge me if I'm fat, if I'm thin, if I'm bald. They, ju- they just let me live. So um, it's confirmed. Uh, that's all I've got to say. Okay. Well, that explains why our spreadsheet just says Higuain, bald and fat. Um, <laughs> it's fair enough. We'll, we'll probably all be bald and fat one day. It's uh, an unfortunate part of our evolution. <laughs> And on that note, that is definitely what we've got time for this week. Uh, if you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you again next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.